Congenital heart disease affects a significant amount of children in the United States. Welcome to Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. Today I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Doyle from Vanderbilt University to talk about this issue. So Dr. Doyle, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. In your practice of pediatric cardiology at Vanderbilt, what type of things do you concentrate in? My focus is on interventional cardiology, percutaneous therapies for children with congenital heart disease, but on any given day, I'll deal with children and young adults, whether they be in clinic or in patient care or the catheterization lab. So in talking about congenital heart disease, how common is it? It's much more common than people think. About one child in 100 will be born with something different with their heart. Probably around 40,000 or so children are born each year with congenital heart disease. Some of them are silent and not clearly visible. Others, the children have a lot of symptoms and signs and are more apparent. But it's one of those problems where often, unless a child has their shirt off, you have no way to know what they have or what they've been through. So do all forms of CHD require surgical intervention? No, they don't. A fair number still do, and often it's more than one operation. There are many very complex forms of disease that require multiple operations. There's also a large percentage of patients that will require not only the surgical approach, but also the interventional catheterization approach, so a combined approach to their care. But there are many that require no intervention and may live lifelong without the need for any intervention. So you talk about interventions. When did we start doing interventions on children in the United States for this problem? Surgically, we began back in the uh, 40s and 50s. In the catheterization lab, treatments began in the 60s and 70s, but really didn't become refined into the 80s. And each decade since then, there have been new developments that have improved both surgical and catheter-based approaches to the children. So Alfred Blaylock did his surgery residency at Vanderbilt, did he not? He did his initial training at Vanderbilt, then went to Hopkins, where he pioneered, along with Vivian Thomas, the blaylock Kalsik shunt. The cardiologist there was Helen Kalsik. They were the blue babies, correct? That was the first operation for blue babies. It was really a landmark change in the way we dealt with children with congenital heart disease and was really a pioneering approach that things could be done to make individuals with congenital heart disease better. I know your patients and my patients are often asking me, you know, doctor, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my child? Any reason why these happen to some children? The more we learn, the more we realize there's probably a genetic component somewhere along the line and that genetically this was destined to be pretty much from the time of conception, but often we don't know for sure. And so families are left with the feeling that it was just an unfortunate situation without no clear etiology. So the children that you're seeing, how are they finding their way to your office? Are these, are these usually found out with prenatal ultrasounds? Are these kids who usually have distress in the nursery? Or is it something that happens on the soccer field? All of those areas. Fortunately, rarely is it distress on the soccer field. Much more commonly now with obstetricians have become incredibly good at picking up complex lesions prenatally. And so at least here in Tennessee, the vast majority of newborns are identified prenatally and it's much less common to find significant heart disease postnatally, although still fairly common. There are other abnormalities that may not be easy to detect on a prenatal ultrasound, and it may be changes in physical exam, uh, presence of a murmur, or even symptoms later that bring their attention later in life. So what treatments are in your bag of tricks in 2018 for helping these children? In the catheterization lab, we will divide our therapies into a variety of different approaches. We can 
open things and close things and add things. Things that we can open include valves that are narrowed, blood vessels that are narrowed. Uh, things that we can close include atrial septal defects, ventricular septal defects, patent duct dye. And then one of the more recent and really exciting areas is the ability to place valves in the heart without surgery. And so a child who has had a pulmonary valve that no longer works well can come in in certain situations and we can implant a valve through the leg and they can go home the next day and back in school the following day, which has wow. really just been a revolutionary change in our approach. So what is Project Heart? Project Heart to me is an incredibly exciting organization. It is a nonprofit charity created by two parents who have a child with congenital heart disease, and their goal is to raise funds for research directly for congenital heart disease. And the two, to me, exciting parts of it, one is it's focused, parent, organized, and the other is that they want to support research right now today. They want to provide funding to make a change today, not tomorrow, not 10 years from now. They really want it to happen now. And that's kind of a different mindset than often large institutions have with fundraising. They like to generate a lot of funds, stash it away, use it for what they want down the road. But this is a wonderful organization that wants to make a difference today. And as I've told some people, I said, there's to me, there's nothing been more exciting in my career than taking my passion for trying to make these children better with the passion of the parents who want to make it better. And I think that combination was really a strong force. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. Joining me today is Dr. Thomas Doyle, pediatric cardiologist from Vanderbilt University, to discuss congenital heart disease. So what are some of the research things on the horizon in the topic of congenital heart disease? Well, in the near future, but not near enough, is really going to be the growing of your own tissue and your own valves. And there's a lot of people working on this. But there will be a time, I'm hoping it's within my career, that a child needs a valve or an adult needs a valve, and you draw your blood, you send it to a company, they grow you a couple valves, they mail them to the hospital you're going to have your procedure at, and you get your own valve implanted. The benefit here is it's going to grow with you, it's your own tissue, your body won't identify it, it shouldn't calcify, it shouldn't dysfunction. That's a ways away, but I think that's really the exciting future for our field. Things that are going on right now are trying to take some of the more challenging heart problems we have and improve on the incredible developments that have occurred over the last 20 years. And so an example I would give, or I think probably the most exciting example is a form of congenital heart disease called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Children are basically born without a left ventricle. They have to go through life with one pumping chamber and during my training 25 years ago, there was really no surgical option. And as trainees, we were taught how to counsel families on how to let their children go. It's a beautiful child. We know they look great on the outside, but on the inside, there's a devastating lesion and we have no options. Then through pioneering work, primarily starting in Philadelphia with a physician named Bill Norwood, surgical methods were developed that resulted in some children surviving and over the last 20 years, that technique has been refined to where now about 85% of children will survive the first operation of that condition. 
It's a condition that requires usually three operations down the road at minimum, but the first operation is one that really has the highest morbidity and mortality. What has pushed from that is now to come up with ways to palliate the child to try and avoid that first operation, which can take its toll on the child's myocardium and carries a fair amount of morbidity. And a group in Columbus, Ohio, has pioneered what we call a hybrid approach, where working cardiologist and surgeon together will palliate the child by putting stents in a patent ductus, a vessel that needs to stay open, and the surgeon will limit the pulmonary flow by constricting down on the pulmonary arteries. The benefit of this is the child doesn't have to go on bypass, which is uh, profoundly beneficial for the child. The downside is you have to use off-the-shelf equipment for children that's primarily used for adults, particularly the stent, and then you have to distort the pulmonary arteries surgically to try and limit the flow. And so my particular interest is trying to take this the next step to develop a stent purely designed for this lesion and these type of lesions that can keep the patent ductus open, easy to put in, easy to take out, and also create a way to resist flow to the lungs without having to distort the lungs. And that's where Project Heart has come in and helped with funding for this. And I think one of the other problems is you guys have been so successful as a discipline as now these kids have lived into adulthood And it's really not clear, you know, do adult cardiologists feel comfortable taking care of folks who had congenital heart disease? And could you speak to that? That's a great point. And really, there has been a shift in the patient population. When I first started 20-some years ago, most people with congenital heart disease were children, and you were lucky if you survived to adulthood. Now, the vast majority of patients survive to adulthood and are thriving in adulthood to the point where in the United States now... There are more adults with congenital heart disease than children with congenital heart disease. And the challenge is that they can have had very complex past histories that potentially an adult cardiologist who's just gifted in typical adult cardiac problems may not come across in their daily practice. And so as a result of this, a new field has blossomed in cardiology called adult congenital heart disease. And there are physicians who are training both in congenital heart disease and adult cardiology, and they are going into practice with the skills and tool set necessary to take care of these adults who had issues, congenital heart issues in childhood. So Dr. Doyle, in wrapping up, is there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners on this topic? This is an incredibly rapidly changing field that lesions that were fatal in the past now have incredibly vibrant options, and children who used to die in infancy now are living to adulthood, and that um, the care of the whole spectrum of these patients from from infancy up through adulthood and into geriatric years is going to require a group of physicians dedicated uh, to all age ranges for this form of heart disease. And as exciting as things are today, I can't wait to see the options we have to care for these people over the next 10 to 20 years. So, Dr. Doyle, thank you so much for joining us today on Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you so much. It has been truly my pleasure. You've been listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. To listen to more in this series, please go to reachmd.com slash Roundtable. To find out more about Project Heart and congenital heart disease, please visit their website at projectheart.org.